I'm going to need three volunteers. Anybody want to volunteer? Dave, thanks for volunteering. I appreciate it. Any other volunteers? Uh, Matt Gehrig, thanks for volunteering. I appreciate it. You're, you're very, this is yours. And Steve, where'd Steve Frucci go? Steve Frucci's coming. He's my other volunteer. I had to look through the glass to see Steve had his hand up out there. So one of the things I always wanted to do was be a director of a play or like a musical or something. No, not really. But the closest I'll ever get is a skit here at church. So I'm going to be the director. We're all going to have a role. Everybody's got a role to play. Okay? So Dave right now, his role is to take this fancy rod umbrella and you've got to hold it up over your, hand, over your head. It's got to stay up over your head. Okay? The, we'll get to that in just a minute. Okay? So it's got to stay where you're at. Now, I said in first service with Paul that he could use either hand. But as long as it stays above your head. But Paul said, since it's Dave, make Dave hold both hands. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hope that Paul hears more of my sermon later. But we're going to go with you can use either one because that's what I gave him. Okay? Now, your responsibility, gentlemen, is to make sure that it stays up. Because there's a good chance his arms are going to get tired. And as they get tired... It's always got to be one. There is, if it's his arms get tired, it's going to come down. It could come down. It's your job to keep him up there. Help him keep it up there, okay? Your job out there, your job out there is if it falls below his head, you fall asleep, okay? Now, only if it goes below, don't fall asleep and say you told me to. So only if it goes below, his, if it comes down below his head, can he fall asleep, okay? And my job is to preach, so... I, we, we've all got tough jobs, right? So we're going to see how well we can do. Okay, good? Everybody know the rules? There's a chair if you need a chair, okay? Just good. We're just hanging out. So how did your week go? Did everybody have a good week this week? Yeah? yeah? Anybody take anything you learned last week and apply this week? No. Good. That's what I figured. <laughs> At least we have honesty in the church, right? All right? So... What did we talk about last week, though? That's important for us to understand what we talked about last week so this week makes sense. What was our topic last week? The role of a pastor, right? What can we as a church, what kind of expectations does the Bible say that we can have of our pastors? So we're all, we've all been in relationships, right? We've all, you know, anybody married, have friends, anything like that? A lot of people thought they were married. They're not, obviously. (laughs) I I might have to be some conversations later today. But in a relationship, there's always a little bit of give and there's a little bit of take, right? I'm going to give to you, you're going to give to me. That's how relationships work. And so if we're going to talk about the expectations that we can have of the pastors, then I think it's right for us to talk about what our pastors can expect of us. Right? That makes sense. So we're going to let them, the staff, have expectations of us as church members, and we're going to have expectations of them. That's how we work together. That's how how the church works. You guys are doing great. I just want you to know. All right? If you need this, if you need, oh, I forgot to say, you asked how long it was going to be. It's gonna, I'm, I'm going to be done by six o'clock tonight. It's only 11. We got plenty of time. Well, I'll be done okay. 
You can't. They'll fall asleep. You want these people to learn the scriptures, don't you? Oh, wow. Just give me a minute. i got to pray. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 17. You guys just have to listen. In Exodus chapter 17, we're going to see what I feel is one of the, one of the best stories to illustrate how churches should treat their pastors and what expectations that pastors should be able to have of their churches. And, and so we're going to look at this story. You can follow along if you'd like to. We're going to be in verse 8, verse eight of chapter 17. Sometimes I get that stuff crisscrossed, so i got to make sure I get it right. So in verse 8, we see this. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. That's not good. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. See how much stronger he got? So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Can't tell if you guys are reading or sleeping. Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Can you give our volunteers a hand because they actually did did do a pretty good job? Good work. See, I believed in you. So what happens in this story? Why would we use this to talk about how we as a church, what our pastors should be able to expect of us as a church body? It's funny that this is that Moses is the is is the one holding the staff. What do we know about Moses? He's old, good. He also led the Israelites out of Egypt, right? He's the one that stood up to Pharaoh, said, you're going to experience a bunch of frogs, you're going to have a bunch of plagues and all this kind of stuff. Pharaoh would let him go, then call him back, and so they went back and forth. Finally, they got out. When they finally made it out of Egypt, they didn't go right to the promised land. And so they had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. It's too bad that they didn't have GPS back then because they probably wouldn't be able to find the promised land much quicker. If they would have had GPS. But Moses took them out in the wilderness. It's over 40 years they're out there. And it's funny to me that right before this story is a story where the Israelites have almost had enough. They've been wandering in the wilderness and they've almost had enough. And they come to Moses and they start whining. And they start saying, Moses, we have no water around here. Why did you bring it down? We should have just stayed in Egypt and died. It's so miserable out here. Oh... And they just kept doing that to the point where any of you who have had parents and have kids whine, you know the pain that Moses felt, right? I mean, think about it. He's got a whole nation doing that. He's got a, the whole group. All the Israelites are whining at his door saying, oh, I want to die. So Moses goes to the best person to go to when people are whining and driving you crazy, right? 
He goes to God. He says, God, why the world did you give me these people? They're ungrateful. I mean, we're going to the promised land. I know it's going to take us 40 years to get there, but we're going to the promised land and they don't appreciate anything. And God says, well, I'll tell you what, just take them over to this rock, strike the rock with your rod, the umbrella, and I'll give you water. So Moses does that, showing for us how easy it is for God to provide for us, right? Isn't that a great story? But that's a whole nother sermon. Then we get to this one. So Moses says, okay, Joshua, because they see this army coming. It's, it's the Amalekites, and they're from Amalek. So these people start coming at him, and Moses like, oh, it looks like we're going to have a war. Right. Hey, Joshua, go put some people together and go fight this battle for us. Okay. So Joshua takes me. He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go up, stand up. I'm going to stand up on the hill, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise my hands in praise to the Lord. I'm just going to raise my hands. It doesn't make really much sense. I mean, what does his hands being raised have to do with the battle that's going on down there? <clears throat> we'll get to that in a minute. So as long as Moses' hands are up, the Amalekites are losing. The Israelites are winning. And who are we cheering for? We're cheering for the Israelites, right? We want to be on the winning team. And so we're cheering for the Israelites. So as long as Moses keeps his arms up, our team wins. As soon as they come down... They start to lose. So we want them to win. So Moses figures this out. He goes, oh man, this is going to be, hopefully this is a quick battle. But then he's got two guys with him, right? Aaron and Hur. A guy named Hur, not a Hur. Okay? So he's got these two people with him up there on the mountain. And they say, hey, we might be able to help him. Let's, how about we help hold his arms up? But then at some point, now it worked out for these three because Dave was tall enough they could just rest on his shoulders. So it worked out pretty well for them. But we're not necessarily sure that's how it worked out for Aaron and her. They may have had to actually hold his arms up. And that's what I kind of think happened because they found him a rock to sit on. So he sat on a rock. And then what does the scripture say? How long does it say that battle went on? Till sundown. All right, so it wasn't just five minutes up here. It really would have went to the evening. Imagine trying to hold your arms up for a whole day so you could win a battle. So why is that important for us to understand as members of a congregation? When we talk about how our past, what our pastors need from us, what, what do they need from us and what should we be giving them? First of all, most importantly, they need support. They need us to be there to support them. There's a reason that I picked the volunteers that I picked. They really weren't volunteers, in case you were wondering. Not one of them put their hand up. <laughs> it's okay. Jesus knew. But there's a reason I picked them. Because Dave is one of our staff members. He leads worship for us. Matt and Steve are both elders in our church. They're both leaders for our church. And there's a reason that Moses, Aaron, and her were on the hill and the church was fighting. Remember, your role, your role was to stay awake as long as the arm was up. But as soon as it came down, you were allowed to fall asleep. See, everybody had a role in that, except me. I just was the narrator. And that's always the coolest part because nobody ever sees you. But what we see happen there is what we need to see happen in church. And the biggest support for the pastors has to be the, has to be the leadership. The leadership of the church has to be there to support the staff. That's why, that's why we're there. That's, that's our role. Because there are a lot of things that you as a congregation want the pastors to do that can be done by leaders in the church. 
And part of your role as a member of the church is trusting the leaders to do some of those things. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, it, but that's part of our role as leaders in the church is that we can do some of the things that take the pressure off them. So that's, that we support them. That's why I picked those volunteers so that you know. When we talk about supporting them, what, what, do, I, what do I mean by supporting them? There's two main supports we as a church need to and have to be for our, for our pastors and for the staff. And I like that I can preach this and they don't have to because it's usually uncomfortable for preachers to preach about money, especially when you talk about their salary. And so we're going to talk about financial support for our pastors. All of the members of our staff, Dave, Jen, Paul, Rex, all of them could be in other jobs making much more money than they're making working as pastors. They could be doing things. They're very talented. They're very gifted. They're very intelligent. And they could find a job doing something else, but they've chosen to be ministers of the gospel. They've chosen to sacrifice that ability to give their hearts and life to filling the kingdom. And so as a result of that, we as a church, it's our responsibility to support them financially because it wouldn't be right for them to give up what they could get financially and then we as a church just continue to take from them and not pay them and not support them. You, we can't expect them to just make their own way in life, right? Does that make sense? Paul, makes it, Paul explains that to us in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And he uses imagery. I, I like Paul. I like Paul Porter, but I like Paul the Apostle too. He's a pretty cool guy. And in verse 17 of 1 Timothy chapter 5, we see this. Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. Paul is talking to Timothy, and you remember from last week that Timothy is, 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 what is Timothy? He's a young pastor, right? And so he's the pastor at this church, and Paul sends this letter to Timothy and says, hey, those guys that work well at preaching and teaching, what did we say the role of the pastor really is last week? Preaching and teaching, good, glad you remembered. So preaching and teaching and helping us to understand and helping us to know what we should do and giving us the tools we need to actually serve, that's their role, right? And so Paul says, if those people are doing it and they're doing it well, then they should be receive pay. And, and so I can help you understand this. Paul says, if you have a, an ox treading out the grain, and we kind of understand that Heads of wheat have to be crushed down to be made into flour, right? Most of us understand that. I'm not going to go into a long time into that. But in the, old t- in, the, in the old times, they would have this wheel and a thresher, and these oxen would walk around and bring the, take this wheel around, and it would crush the grain until it became flour. And it would fall out onto where the ox were walking. So as they're walking, some of it's ending up underneath them. And what Paul, simply what Paul is saying is, if they're walking around there, you're not going to put a muzzle on their mouth so they can't eat that stuff. You're going to let them eat it because it's right there. And so what he's saying is, those people that have given their life to the ministry, the ministry, the people that are being ministered to, should take care of them financially. It's our responsibility. Now, why would I talk to you about that? Where do they get paid? If the church is going to pay them, where do they get their pay from? They get it from us, right? The blessings box. When we put money in the blessings box, 
part of that pays the salary, benefits, wages, whatever you want to call it, pays that for, for our pastors because they have to be paid somehow. And so the money that we bring in goes through the church and then comes back to them as staff. Now, what happens is sometimes we in the church, maybe everybody else in every other church except this one, but we in, our, in church feel like the people that I pull over in police cars when I'm working the inner city. And one of their favorite phrases to me is, anyone know anyone want to make a guess? I pay your salary. <laughs> if you pay taxes, you pay my salary. That's an aside. <laughs> but sometimes we feel that way with the pastor, don't we? Sometimes we feel that way with the leadership of the church or with the staff of the church. As long as you're making decisions that I like, as long as you're making this, as long as you're preaching sermons that make me feel better, as long as you're doing this, as long as, as long as you're catering to my needs, then I'm going to make sure my check is in the blessings box. But as soon as you make a decision or you preach a sermon that I don't like, instead of one zero, I'm going to make zero zeros at the end of that number. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to cut back a little bit. And that, maybe that will help you understand just how important I am in this church and the money that I give, just how much that keeps you around here, Pastor. Mm. That's kind of a bad spot to be in, isn't it? That's, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a bad position to take. Anyone heard of John Maxwell? John Maxwell a, teaches a lot on, on leadership, writes a lot about leadership, and he does leadership conferences, but he's a pastor as well. And he was a pastor one time in this church, and, and some guy came forward and had a check in his hand, and it was a substantial check. And he, he said, Pastor, I have this check. I have this check for you, and I, and I want to give it to the church. But there's a few things I don't agree with, and so until those things get fixed, I'm, I'm not going to give you this check. John said, okay, how about we pray about that? Because, because if there's a question, let's pray about it. Let's, let's find out what God says, right? So they stand at the front. They're at the front of the, it's a Sunday morning. They're at the front of the sanctuary. And John says, well, I want you to repeat after me, sir. We'll pray this together. Together we're going to pray this. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it, pastor. Let's pray because we're, we're, God's going to really give you the answer that, that you need to hear that I'm right. So John starts out the prayer and says, God... I've decided to rob you. And the guy looks at him and goes, wait, whoa. whoa." And John said, the gift is to God. It's not to the church. The gift is to God. And and the Bible says if you don't bring your tithes and offerings, you're actually robbing God. So that's what you're telling me you're choosing to do. Guy's a little little bit more difficult. But why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story because we have to understand that Our pastors deserve us to support. They shouldn't have to worry whether they're going to have a paycheck. They shouldn't have to worry whether they're going to take a pay cut because because somebody might be upset with what they say. I'll tell you, I want anybody that stands up here, I want them to preach to me so that I can get better. If they tell me I'm okay, that's not true, right? Am I perfect? I got plenty of people lined up. They'll tell you no and no, 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 right? You're not perfect. So when they stand up, we want them to tell us. But it's our responsibility to be willing to support them and let them help us. Remember last week, their responsibility is to teach us and help us grow. It's our responsibility to support them so that they can do that. Please, don't, don't 
ever try and hold back because you don't like what a pastor is saying or what a pastor is doing. Okay? Ever, we okay with that? And while we're talking about money, we pay them a salary. Whatever they want to do with their salary, that's their salary. Do you want me to tell you how to spend yours? You want me to ask you why you bought the car that you bought? Well, it doesn't look like you really need that kind of car. You know, those kind of questions actually get asked of pastors and staff members of churches. Whose business is it? Who are you giving the gift to? Again, this isn't a sermon on giving, but the gift is to God, isn't it? The tithe is for God. It's to the church. It's to the work of the kingdom. And part of working in the kingdom is taking care of these people. Okay? We're okay with that now? The second area really is really important for us to understand support is the area of time. Because people in churches have this idea that pastors are 24-7 whenever I want you. I'm going to ring the bell, right? When I was sick as a kid, my mom and dad would give me a bell. They didn't do it very long. <laughs> they only did it one time. <laughs> I'm just teasing. She still put it there. But we think that our pastors should come running. If I, send a, if I, if I need prayer or I, need a, I send a text message to a pastor or I, I shoot an email to a pastor, I better, I better get a response within the next 5.3 seconds. Or he's not actually being my pastor, right? Don't we, have that, don't we sometimes have that expectation? That, obviously, that's an exaggeration. But don't we have that expectation sometimes? Don't people expect the pastor to be there as soon as they call for him, as soon as they want him? They should, he should come running. He should drop everything that he does, that he's doing. I can tell you, yes. I've, I have friends that are pastors that have canceled family vacations because people demanded they be there for, for people. And they're kind. And, the, and the, the hard part about this is that pastors' hearts, I talked to you last week, pastors' hearts are so compassionate that they want to be there for you. They want to serve you. They want to love you. They want to support you. They want to encourage you. They want to make you feel like God loves you. And they want to be that extension of God's love. But they also have families, right? And when I'm demanding on my pastor in his time, what does that do to his time with his family? Did ever interrupt it? Sure it does. Anybody ever heard jokes about preacher's kids, PKs? Usually the jokes about preacher's kids are they're terrible, right? You know why preacher's kids are so bad? Because they hang out with the church members' kids. <laughs> I call them how I see them. But the truth is, a lot of times, the reason that pastor's kids struggle so much, and if you talk to pastors who have had children... And that have grown up and struggled with their relationship with the Lord, you'll find that one of the biggest struggles they have is that dad, as the pastor, gave everything he had to the church and had nothing for the family. And so he, pastors sometimes will miss their own kids' events to go do things with the church. And their, their kids and their wife and their spouses will be left at home to deal with all of the rest of the stuff while they go support the church and while they go minister to the members of the church and the family sits there and says, what about us? It's our responsibility. And that's why these first two, I, wanted to, I want you to understand that that's why we have elders in the church. 
That's, that's why we have leaders in the church. So that those people can assist and can serve you in times when the pastor is gone. When the pastor is busy. With, so that we can protect the pastor's family. And we, we, can love, we can love you like the pastor does and give them some breaks every once in a while. I'm so glad that Rex took a sabbatical and left. And I hope he makes a habit of it. I hope he does it more. And I hope that the rest of our staff understands the importance of that and they'll, they'll be able to do that as well. But we as a church have to understand the amount of pressure that we put on those people and our staff and how demanding it can be and understand that God didn't say they have to give their whole life up for us. They, they've got kids. Does that make sense? Everybody okay with that? I love you. I love you. My, my name's Brian. We're friends. Hopefully we're still friends when we're done today. But that's really important for, for me that you understand that. That was just point one, so I told you we're going to be here till six. Uh-huh. The, last two, the last two go pretty quickly. The second thing that I want us to look at, though, is not only do we need to support them, but we need to strengthen the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul again talks about, talks about the body. And beginning in verse 21... You'll see where Paul gives us, Paul, Paul is good with imagery. And, and I'm kind of a visual learner. I, I like to be able to see things. And, and I like to sometimes make my own video up of what, what's going on. And so I really like it that Paul helps me, gives me things to think about that, that help me to see the concepts that he's talking about. Jesus did the same thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. And this was a struggling church. These folks couldn't get along for anything. They fought all the time. And they had all kinds of stuff going on that shouldn't have been going on in church. They were a mess. They, they needed some Jesus. So in chapter 12, verse 21, we see this. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. What does Paul say there? Paul says, hey, we're one body. With this, this congregation here, and not only this congregation, but everybody that loves Jesus and has committed their life to Jesus and is serving by faith through grace, everybody that is part of this one body, and there are different parts to the body, right? And we can understand that. You don't have 15 eyes. You've got two, right? You've got two ears. You've got a mouth and all that kind of stuff. And so we need all of the parts of the body for the body to work. And if you lose a part of your body, anybody ever stubbed your little toe? It hurts. And you'd be surprised how that little thing can affect the rest of the body, right? I mean, it's just a little toe. But you mess it up. 
hey, then you're limping for a week, and then your other, your other leg gets tired and all that. Kind of. So we have to understand what Paul is saying is that all of us have a role. Everyone that's in here that has accepted Jesus, that is, that is part of the church corporate, the, the big church that God is calling his whole church, everybody that's a part of that has a role to play. And I can tell you that your role is not coming, sitting, singing, listening, leaving. That's, that's how we get the strength to fulfill our role, but that's not our role. All of us have something to be doing. And what Paul says is, the eye can't look at the little toe and say, little toe, get lost because I don't need you, and I really don't, don't like you, and actually you're a little smelly, so I'd appreciate it if you'd stay gone for a little while. You can't say that because you need your little toe, Right? You, you can't say to, to your leg, the, the arm can't say to the leg, hey, I don't need you because I'm strong enough. Uh, this is going to surprise you, but I'm not a bodybuilder. I, I know, I know it's hard to believe, but I really have never been a weightlifter. I went through like a six-month span where I did, and it was way too much work and not enough reward, so I just said, let's not do that anymore. But have you ever seen, the, have you ever seen people that work out a lot and they had... Oftentimes, they'll, they'll specifically pick one part of their body, and usually it's the upper body. I mean, you see those guys? I mean, they got muscles on top of muscles and in places they don't have mus- muscle places. And, but, but then you look at their legs, and their legs look like mine. And you're like, hey, you got to have a leg day every once in a while. You can't, it can't all be upper body. You, you got you to work the whole body, right? And, and then oftentimes, you'll see that those people that have real strong upper bodies, usually after a while, what happens to their knees? They start getting weak, right? They start getting damaged and they don't hold up as well because they, they've put all this effort into this one part of the body and forgotten about the rest of the body. And what happens is we as a body think that our part of the body is the most important. My opinion matters most. My thoughts matter most. My tradition is more important than your tradition. My, my thoughts about Jesus are more important than your thoughts about Jesus. I, I know you probably think that God talked to you, but obviously he didn't because you don't agree with me. So as soon as you agree with me, come talk to me and we'll understand that we're both together. It's not that way, right? We, both, we, we all work together and we all have different roles. Do you, do you want everybody in this church, you can be honest, because nobody's going to get their feelings hurt, okay? Do you want everybody in this church to be up here leading worship on Sunday morning? No, you don't. Because I can tell you, you don't want my voice behind a microphone singing. It's, it's not going to be pleasant. I don't want to be up here. Does everybody want to come up here and, and preach? No. And maybe you don't want me to preach. That's okay. But we don't want everybody. Everybody has something different to do. You don't want me taking care of the little kids. I love them. I love little kids because they're full of energy and I'm kind of an energetic person myself. I love them, but I love them for this. Hey, let's have fun. Ah, Okay, now go. You try and get me to have order with little kids. And anyone ever heard the phrase herding kittens? I become a kitten. We're all just a bunch of kittens and there's not even somebody to herd them. So we're just all running amok when I'm trying to take care of them. So we all have different roles to play and every role is important. And we have to understand that. And we have to understand that everybody's opinion still is an opinion. And we all serve the same Jesus and we all follow the same scripture. So when we come together as a church, we should be able to work together. We should be able to understand that you're playing one role and your role is important. But your role is no more important than that other role. Now, why would I talk about this when I'm 
preaching on pastors. When the eye gets aggravated with the little toe, who does the eye go to? To get the little toe in line? He goes to the pastor, doesn't he? Hey, pastor, I don't know if you know this or not, but we really need to pray for because they're just not in line, right? Hey, pastor, I I don't mean to burden you with this, but there's some people in the church not really being church-like. I don't know if you know. And think, just think about it. There's 350 people that regularly attend our services. You agree with everybody that's in this 350 group? You agree with, one person agrees with all 350 people. Nope. This means yes, this means no. We all have different ideas, right? Think about the number of aggravations that can get taken to the pastor. To the staff. Is that fair? Isn't it better if we're just working and saying, hey, let's figure out how we can do this together? How can we make the body stronger? Right? How can we go and have a leg day and a back and chest day? Or an arm day? How can we make all of us together work better? Because that's what the pastors really want from us when it comes to church. They want us to be able to work together and change the world. They want us to make a difference. And then finally, in Mark chapter 10, verses 41 through 45, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. James and John had just asked to be on either side of Jesus in the kingdom of glory. That's a good way to make friends. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. What our pastors need us to do is to be able to serve the world with a smile. I mean, think about service and giving. And, and how do we do that? We, if we together as a body, if we get that, that, that one part right about working together and strengthening each other, and then we go out into the community and we, we start sharing Jesus with the community, and we start trying to serve them in ways that they need to be served, isn't it much better if we serve them with a smile? Doesn't that go, doesn't that help them much more? How many of you saw that Geico commercial with the raccoons in the dump truck? The, the trash, the trash truck. You guys laugh at that? I thought it was funny myself. It's one of my favorite commercials. You, but you know, that's what we do, right? You try something bad, and then you're like, ooh, this is terrible. Here, try it. Hey, is this milk spoiled? You try it. Right? But you know, the, you know what happens is sometimes we do that with church. 
We go to work or we sit with our friends or we talk around the, the table or we sit at basketball games or, or sporting events. We talk with our friends and we complain about what happened, what's happening in the church. Can you believe the sermon the preacher preached last week? Can, can you believe that they're starting a building campaign? We, we can't afford a building. And so we start to complain and talk bad about how stupid they are and how ignorant they are and how they should be, do this better and they should do that better. And then... And then the church decides, hey, let's do kind of a push. Let's try and get some more people. You know, we used to do revivals and that kind of stuff. And so invite a bunch of people. And then what, what do we do? We go to work. We go to, we go to those basketball games, those people that we've been telling how terrible our church is. And what do we say? Hey, we're having an event. You want to go to church with us? Huh? What? The church you don't like? The, the church where you think people are stupid? The church, you think the pastor is a jerk? Yeah, no. Thanks. Listen to me, church. This is important. You're going to get mad. Some of you are going to get mad at me. And, and that's okay. I'm going to put it in your lap. If it falls on your toes, it's, that's on you. My dad used to tell me you can get glad in the same pants you got mad in. We're going to do this together. There's never an excuse for a Christian to be grumpy. There's never an excuse for a Christian to be negative. There's never an excuse for a follower of Christ not to have joy. I told you, you're going to be mad at me. Some of you right now, you want to punch me in the face. Some of you want to tell me I'm a heretic. But think about it. As followers of Christ, what do we have? A promise of eternal life with God. Someday, understand this church, someday the Bible tells us we're going to stand face to face with the creator of the world. Someday, we're going to walk on streets where the asphalt is gold. Someday, we're going to sing in a chorus of angels. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Someday, Someday I'm going to be in heaven and everything that's here is going to be gone. Except the people I'm with. Oh, I understand. You've got troubles. Jesus knew that. I understand people don't treat you the way you want to be treated. They didn't treat Jesus that way either. Christians should be the happiest most joyful, most fun to be around people ever because nothing in this world can touch me. Nothing I'm going to experience here is going to have any effect on my future as long as I stay close to Jesus. And as a pastor, when we as a church serve with a smile, we will change everyone around us. 
We'll make a difference in the lives of everyone that cheers beside us in a basketball game. We'll make the difference in the life of everyone that sits in a classroom beside us. We'll make a difference in everybody that's in the cubicle beside us because they will see in us that we are always joyful. And they'll see that we're always happy. And they'll see that we always have a smile. And the reason that we can always have a smile is because we'll see Jesus someday. Now bring me your excuse for being crabby. Come talk to me about why you have a right to be mean to people. Come explain to me or take it to the staff and the pastors and tell them why you have a hard time representing Jesus. Because they're teaching us how much God loves us. Right? Think about the messages we sing. Think about the messages Rex preaches. They're all about how much God loves us. They're all about how cool it is to be a follower of Jesus. (laughs) Someday. Someday, face to face. I'm so grateful for our staff. We are so... Some of you that haven't been in other churches don't understand how blessed we are to have the staff that we have. We really are. And their families. And we love them. And we're gonna the I'm gonna have the worship team come forward now. We're gonna we're gonna step outside of our box for several uh, for several people here. Um, I wanna have the pastors and their families come forward and stand right here. I think some of our families are missing and We'll get this for Rex one of these days. But you guys are staying right here. These people, these people love you in a way you'll never understand. They care about your forever future in a way that you don't get, in a way that we don't often understand. So what we're going to do now is I'm not going to make anybody, and I don't want you to feel pressured. And I don't want you to just have to do it because a lot of people are doing it. But if you'd like to come and join us as we lay hands on our staff and their spouses that are here. Um, Mike's, at a, Mike's at a swim meet, I think, today or something like that. I'm not sure. Um, but if you'd like to come be part of this, just come forward right now. We're going to have some play in the background. Feel free. Come up here. Put your arms on them. Put your hands on them. Surround them. As you're coming and as you get here and you join with us, if you, if you want to pray for them, feel free to pray for them. If you want to love them, feel free to love them. We're not going to turn anybody away, but we're also not going to force anybody to come. We'll make plenty of room. Feel free to say some silent prayers for them. Give them some support. Give them some love. Help them to know how much we care about them. And then we're going to pray as a group. We're going to ask the the Lord to strengthen them, to give them power, to give them peace, to give them grace and all of those things that they need. And to feel our love. God.
God, you're so good. You're so good to us. God, at True North, you've been, you've been overly generous to us and our staff. You've given us people that dearly love us, that dearly love you, and passionately, fervently want us to love you and experience your love in a way we never have. God, I pray they never forget how supported they are and how loved they are. And God, those those times when they feel alone or they feel like people are against them, or they, God, I just pray that you'll fill them with your Holy Spirit and you'll you'll surround them with love and you'll surround them with people and that we we as a congregation will be more deliberate about sharing our love with them and sharing our support for them. More than just a good good sermon preacher, a good song, Dave, way to go with the kids, nice job with the little ones. But actually, Lord, we'll actually take some time and love them and support them and encourage them. As they lead us to you, Lord, help us to lift them up and help us to come underneath their arms and help them hold the staff up. We love you. We praise you. We're grateful beyond words for what you've done for us. And we just ask you to bless them. In Jesus' name I pray.